Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 19 of They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. If you miss this year's CrimeCon in London, don't worry, you have another opportunity. It's back in June 2022. And once again, we will be in attendance on Podcast Row. Limited early bird price tickets are now on sale at crimecon.co.uk and make sure to use the promo code TWAU at checkout to receive not only a special 10% discount, but we will also be including a merch bundle full of exclusive items which you can pick up directly from us during the convention. Head to crimecon.co.uk and don't forget to use the promo code TWAU for 10% off. Hollyhead Road in Gilwyn is situated on the Isle of Anglesey, set apart from the northwest coast of the Welsh mainland by the Menai Strait. 
Rows of houses and businesses in the area are surrounded by a patchwork of green fields miles long. In the village of Gelwin with a low crime rate, there was no reason for a foster carer to feel cautious when she parked her car near her home on Hollyhead Road on November 4th, 2020. It had been raining heavily that day. When the ignition was switched off, she planned to go inside with the two children that were sitting in the back seat of the car, a typical routine after the school run. They had pulled into an off-road parking bay around 4pm. As soon as the car stopped, something did not seem right. Before their seatbelts were even off, another vehicle, a silver Citroen Picasso, parked up in a hurry alongside the foster carer's car. There was a female in the driver's seat of the Citroen, and a man emerged hurriedly from the back seat. In a matter of seconds, the stranger was outside the car, something silver and shiny in his hand. A knife. He would later go around the back of the vehicle and briefly duck down as a hissing sound of lost air was coming from the back tyres. Why did he want to stop the car from moving? By the time the assailant got to the driver's side, the carer was panicking, almost hysterical. The man held a blade to her face. He told her what he wanted. The two children were sitting in their child seats. One was the foster carer's child, and the other was a youngster she was fostering. They will only ever be referred to as Child A in this podcast. The driver was told to let the foster child go. At this point, the female in the Citroen also got out. She too lunged into the foster parent's car through the back seat where Child A was sitting. The woman snatched the child, but out of fear and instinct, the foster mother tried to hold on, leaning over her daughter to cling on to Child A and stop them from being abducted and taken to the silver car. The scene was loud. The child was screaming for their foster mother. The carer was put in an impossible situation when, along with the second child in the car, she was threatened with a weapon by the man leaning over her, trying to stop her from reaching out as the second female abductor pulled the child from their seat, whisking them away to the silver citron on the opposite side of the road. The two assailants fled, leaving the foster mother in anguish, screaming as she watched the car pull away. She was shouting hysterically that there had been a kidnapping before pulling out her mobile phone and pressing 999 as two local landscapers working nearby who heard the commotion approached. When officers realised the gravity of the situation and as time is a precious commodity in a kidnap case, they got to work straight away. The child's biological father was oblivious to the fact his child had been kidnapped in the most unusual and terrifying circumstances when he answered a telephone call at approximately 5pm which relayed the awful news. At 4pm, around the same time as the kidnap, two men were working repairing a fence on Hollyhead Road and they heard a commotion on the other side of the street. The landscape gardeners Lee Pritchard Roberts and Dave Roberts were unsure as to what was going on and were apprehensive, initially believing the incident was nothing serious. They did not see what was happening until the silver Citroen started driving away. Despite their reservations to get physically involved, One of them felt the silver car and the noise was suspicious, so they took the initiative to write down the car's registration. Even though the registration details were given to the police, there was a problem. 
Chal Day had been taken almost seven miles away, a ten-minute drive if you were travelling within the speed limit. The vehicle stopped near a Tesco supermarket in Bangor. There, another silver car was waiting, this time a Ford Galaxy. A couple in their 60s sat in the front, a male driving and a female sat in the passenger seat. Chalday was put in the car with the now four adults involved in the abduction, who snatched away the youngster from their foster parents' custody. The vehicle near a Tesco supermarket in Bangor with five people inside hurriedly left, and soon they had travelled over the Welsh border. It was not a usual case for North Wales police, but having the registration of the Citroen, the car that initially transported Child A, made all the difference. They quickly realised that the abductors had changed vehicles. Detectives knew what they were looking for. It was just a challenge to find out where the suspects were. The Ford Galaxy travelled out of North Wales using the A55. With the help of a number of other constabularies, it was realised the child was being taken further and further away from home. The ordinary-looking family car blended in with the hundreds of others as it drove down the M1 near Northampton, almost four hours after the kidnap in Anglesey. But as much as the abductors in the Ford Galaxy thought they would go unnoticed, they did not. With the latest technology, automatic number plate recognition cameras and multiple police forces across Britain working together as a matter of urgency, officers knew where to look. The gang had planned to smuggle Day abroad, and they had even obtained a false passport. However, the suspect's plans were about to be scuppered, when three police cars acting as a roadblock stopped the Ford Galaxy on the middle of the motorway. Northamptonshire Police provided an update from the Forces Armed Response Team. A vehicle came through the county on the M1. It was identified as involved in a serious incident in North Wales. ARVs located it and used a TPAC three-car box to safely stop it. Four suspects were arrested within. Day was physically safe, unharmed, but after the traumatic events of that day, they were relieved to see their foster carer. Police had four adults in custody, two men and two women. It was bewildering why four mature people without criminal backgrounds planned to kidnap a child from a car in broad daylight, and why did they only take one child from the vehicle? The four suspects were arrested on suspicion of child abduction. The vehicle was searched, and disturbing items that could be referred to as a kidnapping kit were discovered in a rucksack. It belonged to one of the suspects and contained a balaclava, some cable ties, and a lock knife. As the investigation slowly unfolded, more information was discovered about the gang, their plan, and their motivations. Several accomplices were also found to be involved, acting as lookouts as the kidnapped vehicle fled the scene. Google searches found on the electronic devices belonging to the suspects showed that the final destination was Crawley in West Sussex before Child A was to be taken abroad to France with a fake passport. West Sussex was the location where two of the suspects lived. The reason for snatching the youngster was somewhat out of the ordinary. They'd kidnapped Child A and bundled them into a car, but not for the chilling reasons that all too quickly spring to mind in such an event, child trafficking or abuse. 
most of the gang believed they had to intervene to save the child's life. They were convinced child A was a victim of continued satanic ritual abuse and they could not turn a blind eye. The gang had no other choice than to transport the child to safety. The man who wielded a knife during the kidnap, threatening child A's foster mother and slashing her tyres, was Wilfred Wong. He was 59 years old and resided at Gallon Place in Camden, northwest London. Uncle Hill bundled the child into the car. She was 50 and lived in Hollyhead, Wales. The second getaway car, the vehicle the gang was stopped in, was driven by Edward Stevenson, known as Ted. The female in the front passenger seat of the Ford Galaxy was his wife, Janet. They were 69 and 67 years old respectively and lived on Parnell Close in the neighbourhood of Maiden Bower in Crawley, West Sussex. It was clear the abduction was planned. Furthermore, another Hollyhead resident like Anchor Hill was thought to be part of the kidnapping plot. Jane Going Hill from Pump Street was taken into custody outside the Antelope Pub in Bangle. The 59-year-old was believed to be a lookout along with Robert Frith, who was also sitting in the same vehicle as Jane Going Hill. The 65-year-old lived in Hollyhead and previously worked as a psychiatric nurse. Jane Goinghill pleaded guilty to conspiracy to kidnap in December 2020. At the time of the incident, police had grown suspicious of Goinghill and Robert Frith as they waited in their car. When asked why they were there, the pair claimed they were there for a vet appointment. After the officer saw her identification, detectives came to the scene. Jane Going Hill was known to suspect Anchor Hill. When her home was searched, they found evidence to link her to the kidnap case. Detective Constable Gareth Hughes, who was involved in the investigation, would later tell a jury of the discovery of two British driving licences for Anchor Hill and someone else named Karen Natasha Sawford. However, she would be cleared of conspiracy to kidnap. Jane Goinghill's companion Robert Frith sadly did not make it so far as to his plea hearing in court. On the morning of November 14th, 2020 at 830 Frith was found dead in his cell at HMP Berwyn in Wrexham. It appeared as though he had suffocated. A post-mortem was completed by a home office pathologist, which concluded the cause of death was asphyxia. A plastic bag had been used. Jane Going Hill was not the only one who pleaded guilty. Anchor Hill admitted conspiracy to kidnap in the same month. Sentencing was pending as there were suspects who insisted they were innocent. Wilfred Wong and Edward and Janet Stevenson. The trial would soon commence. A tangled web of suspects continued to grow when nearly three months later, 58-year-old Christine Ellis Petley from Hollyhead appeared in a short hearing at Mould Crown Court via video link. She too admitted to the charge of conspiracy to kidnap a child. Judge David Hale commented, I know there is a trial to come, but at the end of it, this is not an easy case for any judge to sentence. The trial for those who protested their innocence and the sentencing for those who pleaded guilty was scheduled for early summer 2021.
Wilfred Wong was initially seen as the ringleader. Wong, originally from Singapore, had been a resident of the UK for over three and a half decades. He had worked a series of admirable jobs. His latest position of employment ended in July 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He was a fundraiser on a self-employed basis, acquiring money for a charity that provided lawyers to sexually exploited children in Brazil. However, Wong was the one to hold a knife to the throat of a foster parent and physically snatch Child A along with his accomplice, Anka Hill. With Hill living in Hollyhead, Wales and Wong in Camden, London, the two had not originally met in person, but online. Wilfred Wong was passionate about stopping child abuse, and his focus was fixed against a specific type, satanic ritual abuse. He owned a website called Coalition Against Satanic Ritual Abuse, known as SRA. The website became a hub for people who survived abuse, predominantly if they believed it to be tied to a satanic ritual. Wong also voiced controversial opinions about abortion. And Cahill contacted Wilfred Wong, and a friendship of sorts built over hours of calls which eventually led to the organisation of the kidnapping. Child A was chosen as Anka Hill was of the firm belief that the child was at risk of satanic sexual abuse if they were removed from foster care and returned to the care of their biological father. Janet Stevenson was a counsellor who specialised in working with victims of satanic abuse. She was brought on board when Wong passed her name to Anka Hill. Edward Stevenson became involved in the plot through his wife, Janet. The group modified and adjusted their plans several times, moving away from one of their original ideas of building a hidden section in a horse box so they could conceal the stolen child inside. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In July 2021, the trial began at Carnarvon Crown Court in Wales. It was expected to last a month. A court order was put in place stopping reporting until at least four weeks after the trial, as other matters tied up with the proceedings had to come to a close. Anchor Hill, Jane Going Hill, and Christine Ellis Petley had previously admitted their guilt, therefore were not on trial. But Wilfred Wong, Janet Stevenson and Edward Stevenson denied a charge of conspiracy to kidnap meaning a trial for those three defendants was necessary. Joel Day's foster parent was a witness in court. She described the harrowing events that saw her foster child being whisked away in a stranger's car. Speaking of a woman later recognised as Anchor Hill, the traumatised witness recounted how, after a struggle... Hill pulled Chalday from the car and ran to the awaiting vehicle parked close by. Prosecutor Anna Pope questioned the foster carer about the child's response. She asked, how was Chalday when she was doing this? Chalday kept calling my name and asking me to help. I tried to hold on to Chalday as much as I could, the witness said. The jury were told at this point Chalday was screaming. The witness stated, Someone came round to the back of me, which is when I had to make a decision. Speaking of Wilfred Wong, the foster mother testified. He held a knife to my face and told me to let Chalday go. I had to make a decision between my daughter's life and Chalday's life and mine. Wong and Anchor Hill joined the screaming Chalday in the getaway car and took off towards Bangor. The prosecutor asked the witness how she felt. She responded, Terrified. It's not something you expect to happen in any part of your life, let alone when you are caring for someone else's child and trying to keep them safe. Prosecutor Anna Pope also questioned the two landscapers who were working in the same street where the kidnapping occurred. According to Lee Pritchard Roberts, it was his colleague that thought there might be something amiss with the silver Citroen Picasso parked on the other side of the road. Dave Roberts pointed it out to him. The engine was revving on the spot. Lee Pritchard Roberts testified. We heard shouting and thought it was maybe a domestic. We put our heads down and thought, you don't want to get involved. But the commotion got louder and we thought this was probably something a bit more. I could see a male attempting to pull a child out of the rear passenger side of the black people carrier. He had short dark hair, glasses and a face mask. The child was struggling, kicking its legs was screaming and shouting and the car seat fell onto the pavement. Roberts then described Wilfred Wong going round to the back of the car. The male went round and punctured the rear passenger side wheel of the people carrier. It was effortless. Whatever he had was really sharp. The second landscaper Dave Roberts took to the stand. He said his workmate walked closer to the Citroen so they could read the licence plate. As the series of numbers and letters were shouted, Dave Roberts noted them down. He described what he heard after the car pulled away. Dave Roberts said the foster mother was upset. She was shouting hysterically, My child has been kidnapped. She was extremely scared. A further witness for the prosecution took the stand. 
This time it was a man from Brighton who claimed Wilfred Wong had tried to recruit him. The witness's name could not be revealed for legal reasons. The pair knew each other through the man's wife who received counselling from Wong. Wong had asked them to participate in the kidnapping, but the man refused, clearly understanding that what Wong was asking was dangerous and illegal. Recounting the conversation, the witness explained what he had been told by Wilfred Wong. He said he had been working with a woman in Wales for some time, and very soon a child in foster care was going to be given back to their father, who is a Satanist, and he wants to rescue the child. Wilfred tried to reassure me that everything would be alright. I said I'm not doing it. Despite the man being made aware that Wilfred Wong announced his plans to kidnap a child, the witness did not inform the police. Perhaps in hindsight I should have done, the witness admitted to the court. It was three weeks later when watching the news, the man realised Wilfred Wong was completely serious and had gone through with his plan. The man's wife initially rang the Crown Prosecution Service, who advised her to contact the police and provide all the information she had. Child Day, the target of the kidnappers, did not get out of the four-hour ordeal unscathed. The reoccurring effects of being taken from a place where they felt safe to such a brutal situation gave them nightmares that still had not stopped by the time the trial started. The child was described as, quote, frequently emotionally numb, and after the kidnapping was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Following the prosecution's arguments, the court then heard from barristers representing the accused. The general consensus for each defence counsel was their clients were trying to do the right thing and protect a child that was in danger. Counsel for Janet Stevenson, who sat in the passenger seat of the second car, told the court that his client never even had a parking ticket. She was a grandmother to five children and was convinced she was saving a child. She had been married to the driver Edward Stevenson for almost 50 years. He was described as a follower, not a leader. Edward Stevenson was labelled hard-working, honest, kind, caring and devout by his counsel. The Stevensons believed if they reported their concerns through the proper channels... Nothing would be done about it. Jane Goinghill's barrister pointed the finger at Anchor Hill, who was described as overbearing, assertive and very intense. Anchor Hill had pleaded guilty. She did not address the jury. According to her barrister, Jane Goinghill had been manipulated by Anchor Hill. She ended up echoing the concerns that a young child was in great danger of being the victim of satanic abuse by a relative. After the kidnap, Jane Goinghill was said to feel relieved it was over. Defence counsel for Christine Ellis Petley, who also admitted her guilt said their client thought it was the right thing to do to save a child she thought was in danger of becoming a victim of satanic child abuse. The grandmother worked in a charity shop and was suffering from ill health. She somehow became entangled in the plot and agreed to be a lookout. It was at work where she met her co-accused and accepted her role in the abduction. Her friend Anchor Hill showed her disturbing hand-drawn pictures of sexual abuse, said to have been created by Child A. 
when Christine Ellis Petley was on remand in prison. Word spread throughout the jail that rather than kidnapping a child to stop alleged satanic ritual abuse, it was rumoured she was somehow involved in the sexual abuse of a child. It was some time before the media could release details about the case, and only then was Ellis Petley no longer a target from other inmates. The central plank of Wilfred Wong's defence was based on his argument that he intended to save a child from abuse. It was said the defendant was on a, quote, rescue mission. Wong's past achievements were put forward, including the three decades he had worked championing human rights. A statement from a character witness was also submitted from MP Sir Edward Lee a Conservative Party politician. In the letter, Sir Edward highlighted the excellent work done in Wilfred Wong's career. Addressing the kidnapping, the MP stated, Mr Wong's motivation was not to cause harm to this child, but to prevent harm. Mr Wong's motives were good, albeit misguided and misplaced but his actions were not good because they crossed that line into criminality. Sir Edward Lee also believed that it was Anchor Hill that got Wong involved by the use of misinformation. Reading from the letter, Wilfred Wong's counsel continued. This fed into Mr Wong's already established beliefs of the prolific nature of SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse. Wong was apparently under the belief that abducting a child at knife point was preferable to the alleged abuse. Sir Edward Lee concluded his letter by writing that Wilfred Wong was wrong to accept what he was being told by Anchor Hill. Video recordings of Wilfred Wong were played in court. They were previously available on YouTube. He voiced his opinion that the family court system and social services had been infiltrated by Satanists. In one clip, Wong claims that this turns the process that is meant to protect children on its head. It, quote, protects the abuser and penalises the whistleblower and gives the child back to the abuser's custody. Fostering agencies, care agencies, local authorities and so-called experts say that the whistle-blowing person is not fit to care for the child. Wong would go on to say, They make tens of thousands of pounds. It's a gravy train. It has become so clear that the only way to protect a child from abuse is to take the child and flee the country and hide until the child has grown to adulthood. It's the government's fault for allowing the family courts to be corrupted to this extent. Wilfred Wong provided information on the people he believed were Satanists and their activities. I do surveillance on Satanic covens, he said. They like to meet on dates in the Satanic calendar and on the birth dates of their members. The jury heard Wong's thoughts about Satanists in the UK, describing it as a much bigger problem than most people imagine. Quote, Ignorance about this subject is making it easier for SRA to flourish and making it harder for survivors to get support. Many survivors are disbelieved. Wilfred Wong denied the kidnap of child A, but accepted he was in Bangor. The reason he was there, he claimed, was for a short break. He spent the night sleeping under a tree. The next day, he crossed the Britannia Bridge into Anglesey. It was near here he supposedly stumbled across some discarded or perhaps lost belongings, which included a knife, mask and cable ties. He had arranged a lift home from Edward and Janet Stevenson, who had driven all the way from West Sussex to do so. 
Yet, when they collected him, there were two other people he did not know. He claimed a woman, Anka Hill, and a child were already sitting in the car. Wilfred Wong's explanation of where he was and what he was doing seemed more and more unlikely, as Detective Constable Lee Harshi Jones of North Wales Police took the stand. DC Jones explained to the court what police found in Wilfred Wong's possession when he was arrested. A black jack wolfskin jacket, open face balaclava, a woolen hat, red jumper, cable ties and a knife that according to a forensic analyst was the same knife, a serrated blade from a multi-tool lock knife that was used to cut the tyres of the car being driven by the foster carer of Child Day. Up until now, no one had heard from the man the defendants accused of being a satanic sexual abuser. Child A's father took the stand. He was neither publicly named to protect the identity of the young victim, nor were the circumstances of why the child was placed in care revealed to the public. He stood up and read a statement to the court. I have been portrayed as a Satanist and a paedophile, all of which is untrue. He recounted receiving a call the day Child A was taken, saying they had been kidnapped. He spoke of a terrible realisation that he may never see his child again. Since the allegations and Wilfred Wong's arrest, he had been harassed online. Chalde's father said he had experienced, quote, malicious online trolling by friends of Wilfred Wong's and his satanic ritual abuse agenda. He told the court of the negative impact of the incident and how it had influenced the relationship he had with his child. He thought the kidnappers had a, quote, complete lack of empathy for their horrific crime. Near the end of his statement, he concluded, Were it not for my faith in God, I do not believe I would be here today. A separate statement was read to the court by the child's father on their behalf. It said the child had been forced into the footwell for hundreds of miles during the kidnap. If the Ford Galaxy had not been stopped by police, who knows how long the ordeal would have lasted. The child was said to have been terrified throughout the four-hour abduction. The trial ended on July 23, 2021. Judge Nicola Jones, who oversaw the proceedings, spoke about Child A and the significant, long-lasting and potentially permanent psychological harm to the victim. The jury reached a verdict for each of the defendants who insisted they were innocent. Wilfred Wong, Janet Stevenson, and Edward Stevenson were found guilty. When concluding the legal proceedings, Judge Nicola Jones told the members of the group who were either convicted of or admitted to a charge of conspiracy to kidnap that... I am satisfied that Anka Hill and Wilfred Wong were the leaders of the conspiracy and recruited others. But all six of you were acting as vigilantes, taking the law into your own hands. Your motivation was to rescue Child A to prevent harm. But you all had sufficient intellects to realise that kidnap might cause harm to a child. You knew the family courts were involved but you thought you knew better.
Sentencing took place at the end of September, following the completion of a detailed set of pre-sentencing reports. A Conspiracy to Kidnap Anchor Hill received an extended sentence of 19 years and 5 months. 14 years and 5 months were to be served in custody, along with a 5-year extended licence period. Wilfred Wong faced the longest sentence for conspiracy to kidnap. He was to serve 22 years. He was handed a 17-year custodial term, and like Anchor Hill, the final five years of his sentence would be served on an extended licence. Wong was also convicted of a second charge for possession of a bladed article. He was given two years and six months, which would be served concurrently with his other sentence. After being found guilty of conspiracy to kidnap, Janet Stevenson received 20 years, 15 of which would be served as a custodial sentence, the other five on licence. She was told she had entrenched views on the victims of satanic ritual abuse. She was grouped in with Wilfred Wong and Anchor Hill when the judge raised her concerns that their beliefs could make them offend again. Though described as having an essential role in the kidnapping plot as he hired and drove one of the getaway cars, Janet's husband Edward Stevenson received a far more lenient sentence for conspiracy to kidnap. Eight years. For their lesser roles in the kidnap plot, Lookout's Jane Going Hill received four years, eight months, and Christine Ellis-Petley, who claimed she was groomed by the other gang members, was handed four years. Each member of the gang was required to pay a victim supplement charge of £190 and faced a restraining order for an indefinite period. So where are we now? Following sentencing, a spokesperson for the North Wales Police addressed the media. They described the kidnap plot as a conspiracy that was complex and carefully orchestrated, perpetrated with chilling ruthlessness. Quote, This was a harrowing ordeal for both the child and foster carer. The impact of this incident cannot be understated, and we would like to acknowledge their strength and courage throughout this investigation. Police did look into the allegations made by Anchor Hill that Child A had been a victim of satanic abuse before they entered the foster care system. Ultimately, detectives did not discover any evidence to support Hill's claims of satanic abuse. Despite his conviction, Wilfred Wong has a group of loyal supporters that are hoping for his release. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. 
Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to the rise and fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.